Welcome to They Might Be Librarians, a podcast of the Plainfield Guilford Township Public Library. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram. Hi everyone, I am Lauren. I am the uh, manager of the Collection Acquisition Services Department. And I'm Ashley. I'm the Teen Central Manager. Yay! It's just the two of us today, but that is okay because we are covering a topic that I could probably uh, spend three days talking about. We're talking about ghosts. It is fall. It is around Halloween. And of course, that means that all things spooky is in vogue right now. And I have been waiting since we started this podcast to cover this topic. I love talking about ghosts. I love reading ghost stories. I love listening to podcasts about hauntings. I um, I love watching horror movies, particularly if it involves ghosts or haunted houses. So I am 100% thrilled that we are finally doing this topic. <laughs> it's definitely the right topic for you. Yes, yes. <laughs> You told me that you think it's possible that you lived in a haunted house? Possibly. It wasn't a very old house. Um, it was probably built in like the 1950s. Um, we lived there in the late, mid, early 2000s. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had done some renovations. So the house used to be like one long hallway for all the bedrooms. Okay. Um, but when we moved in and renovated it, we kind of cut that off. So it was like two different like sections of the house. Oh, and okay. I was in the front section with my sister and she never seemed to see it, but out of the corner of my eye, I would always see like this tall man with a top hat. Mm-hmm. And it was really weird to me because I personally don't consider, like, the 1950s a top hat trend, but I guess it kind of was. <laughs> kind of, yeah. It really wasn't until the 60s, I think, that top hats really went out of vogue, but... Yeah, so it, it was never, like, um, felt evil or anything like that, but mm-hmm. it was just always there, and it was just... It was never in the same spot, but it was always towards, like, the front of the house, and... Mm, interesting. Only saw it out of the corner of my eye, and uh-huh. as soon as I tried to look directly at it, it'd be uh-huh. gone. So it but, was just weird <laughs> and, and you never you never felt anything no yeah. no and no one else ever saw him but it's so interesting yeah and it's was you know it was always just kind of like a shadowy type figure mm-hmm. but i knew it was a gentleman in a top hat like mm-hmm. i was very very under the you know under the impression that is who it was well if you kept seeing it even yeah. if out of the corner of your eye, you start to notice things right? yeah <laughs> <laughs> so yeah that was that was the, probably the main main interaction I've ever had. Okay. Well, I was telling Matthew earlier uh, that um, I, growing up, didn't really believe in ghosts. Uh, But then in college, I moved into this um, townhouse apartment and I lived there for three years and I swear that place was haunted. It was so creepy. Um, (laughs) And like, Everyone in the apartment felt it. There were four of us, and we all just were like, no, there is something other in this place. And so we spent a lot of time even, like, trying to, like, we're not experts. We don't, we're not, we don't know anything really about parapsychology or the paranormal other than just being fans of it. But um, we were, like, trying to figure out, like, what kind of vibrations are we feeling? And we, we decided that there were two spirits that were there. One was incredibly benevolent and the other one not. Um, but, like, 
I I took kind of the brunt of it. Other people had weird things happen to them, but I seem to be the focus of a lot of the weird stuff. Um, like my things would go missing and then I would like shout out knowing full well that there was no one else there like hey knock it off this isn't funny and then whatever I was looking for would oh suddenly appear like (laughs) in a place that I had already looked and I'm like that's just bizarre and so the theory was that the benevolent spirit just liked me and wanted my attention Mm -hmm. and but the the not so nice feeling that we always got um like we had to go upstairs and every time you would walk up the stairs you always felt like somebody was behind you and it was very unsettling and there were times when people would be downstairs and it would sound like furniture was being moved around upstairs very loud scraping noises and like either Most of the time, it was when we knew no one was upstairs, Mm -hmm. or we knew one person was upstairs, and we'd be like, what the heck are you doing? And they'd been sitting at their desk doing their homework all night, so, and they didn't hear anything, so just weird, weird stuff like that. Um, That made me a believer. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely made me a believer in ghosts. Um, How long did you end up living there? Three years. (laughs) It was, it was from sophomore year to senior, Uh through senior year in college, so... (laughs) Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was, that was, that, that was my turning point in terms of hauntings. Becoming a believer. Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, uh, I, um, I went to, um, Edinburgh, Scotland one year and, um, apparently that's the most haunted city in the world. Really? Didn't know that at the time. Um, but then, you know, just reading up on the history, a lot of it makes sense, um, because you know, like just like any other um, ancient civilization, you know, you're going to have tons of death, mm-hmm. and you know, Edinburgh was really affected by the Black Plague and stuff like that. But they um, they did a lot to kind of build over and still preserve their history. Like mm-hmm. um, half of Edinburgh is built above Old Edinburgh. <laughs> That's and you can cool. and you can take tours of uh-huh. the the old underground, and it's um, it's incredibly creepy, but in a fun way. But um, some of the areas are supposed to be haunted by specific spirits there. And then I, uh, when I went to tour the castle, there was a particular um, a location called David's Tower, and it was named after um, uh, King David of Scotland. Mm. My family is very proud of their Scottish heritage, and they had told me for a long time that I was, uh, that he's one of, King David of Scotland's one of my ancestors. So I was like, oh, cool. Named after one of my ancestors. Let's go look at it. And I, I walked down the stairs to get to the base of it, and I just noped right up those <laughs> stairs again. I was like, this, this does not feel right. I don't know what's down there, but this, I don't want to be down here. And then a few years later, I was there with my parents and they went down into the, into the base of the tower to, to, to look around. I did not. And then they came back and they were like, yeah, that's where they kept the prisoners. And during a battle, they had like 150 uh, prisoners of war die in there. I'm like, okay. (laughs) So, so you were definitely a little bit more sensitive. Yeah, I think, I think so. (laughs) Whatever it was, I didn't want anything to do with it. (laughs) And then when we were in another part of the castle, uh, someone who worked uh, for the castle, uh, walked through what I thought was just a wall. Mm-hmm. But then once he came through, I was like, oh, I, I do see the little 
doorknob there. It's very well hidden, but yes, I see it. And uh, he started working on something, and then the the door that he came through, that knob started rattling. Oh. And so we just, we all figured someone else was coming through, so we just <laughs> turned to wait to see who else was going to come through, and then it stopped, and nothing. And um, uh, we all looked at the worker, and he just shrugged very nonchalantly, just said, ghosts. And went back to what he was doing. <laughs> so he even knew that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he firmly there. believed in ghosts too. So, yeah. Well, still, that's very cool, and that's cool that you got a chance to go to to Scotland and mm-hmm. see some of the history there. Yeah, it's, it's one of the it's, places I'd like to go to eventually. Just it's on a far bucket list. <laughs> yeah. Well, if any of you listeners are super into ghosts and ghost stories and ghost tours, I highly recommend. Edinburgh, that place is great. Uh, also, St. Augustine and Savannah for more local mm-hmm. uh, stateside tours. Those are some of the best ghost tours I've ever been on. Um, the one in St. Augustine, it it really helped that our, um, our tour guide was um, very funny mm-hmm. because a lot of the... Um, stuff in the ghost tour that we took I, just as a warning it's it's very disturbing yeah there's like a lot of the um shall we just say slaughtering and horrible treatment of the indigenous people mm-hmm. like that is a part of it so just as a as a trigger warning that is a part of that particular ghost tour and the fact that she was able to tell us that and then also turn it around to where we were not having an existential crisis helped on that tour so i do do feel like i need to give a quick warning about that one yeah um and then savannah there's a lot of um a lot of very unseemly stuff that you'll find out um Mm -hmm. but it is it is incredibly interesting and it's incredibly important to hear from our history well and unfortunately you know anytime you have a mass or you know a big you know Mm -hmm. ghost population or Mm -hmm. you know where you have tours and things like that Mm -hmm. it's probably going to be for a negative reason yes yes (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's like as sad as it is to say yeah well, that's awesome. That's, mm-hmm. that's cool. You, you, I don't say cool that you've had these encounters, but <laughs> in a way, it is cool. I can see it being kind of scary at the time. Yeah. It, it, it. Yes. Yes. There were <laughs> certainly some very scary moments. Um, though the, like I said, the ghost that hid my stuff, like that was just annoying. I never felt afraid of that particular spirit. Mm-hmm. I was just annoyed. Yeah. Maybe yeah. you look like someone they knew in their life. I, I yeah. I kind of wonder. Like maybe it was a child or. Mm-hmm. Um, or it was a young person and I was roughly the same age. Yeah. And so they thought I was one of their friends. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so very cool. Yeah. Um, I see a stack of books, though. So I think you brought along a few books. That I brought I brought a notepad, too, and a pen. I'm going to write down stuff this time. <laughs> I can always give you the past recommendations if you need them. <laughs> but yeah, what kind of librarian would I be without, you know, recommending mm-hmm. some books, right? True. So in going with our theme of ghosts, I have a couple of teen books here that are fantastic for people who love ghost stories. Um, the first one is a book called The Taking of Jake Livingston uh, by Ryan Douglas. And this is about a a 16-year-old boy named Jake who um, can see ghosts, but usually what he's seeing is those ghosts living out their final moments over and over and over again. So in this story, when you die, you basically live out your last moments on a loop continuously. So that's what he's used to seeing. But unfortunately, um, he does run into a ghost named Sawyer, 
who was a troubled teen um, who actually, he, he was a school shooter. Oh, um, oh And because he was, you know, a disturbed individual in his life, mm-hmm. he becomes a very, very evil spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, and he picks Jake to be his next victim. And so not only is Jake having to deal with, you know, high school and teachers and all the usual things that teens have to deal with, mm-hmm. but now he's having to deal with a very evil ghost coming after him as well. Ooh. So again, that is The Taking of Jake Livingston by Ryan Douglas. Uh, the next one I have is Rules for Vanishing by Kate Alice Marshall. And this is about a town and a road where the road opens up once every year. Oh! And at the end of the road is a ghost uh, by the name of Lucy Gallows. And that's not a nominous name or anything. No, right? <laughs> and this year, um, our main character, Sarah, has decided that she is going to go and go to the end of the road and see Lucy Gallows. Because apparently it's a game. If you beat Lucy, you get to live. If you don't, you're never seen again. Oh, my gosh. Well, unfortunately, last year's participant was Sarah's sister. Okay. So Sarah is adamant that her sister has to still be out there, that Becca is alive, and that Lucy just has her. Mm -hmm. So she's decided that when the road opens up, she's going to go down there, and she's going to try to win so she can save her sister. Mm. So it's really good. It has a really cool kind of creepy cover. Um, Rules for Vanishing by Kate Alice Marshall. That scraping was me pulling my notebook closer to write it down. (laughs) Here, I'll I'll prop up the book so that you can see the titles. (laughs) And then I have one more, um, Cemetery Boys by Aiden Thomas. And this is another one. You have a teen boy who can, you know, see ghosts. um, But it's only after he performs a ritual that he's able to, you know, see them. Um, He's hoping to find the ghost who, um, the ghost of his murdered cousin. That way he can kind of figure out who murdered his cousin. He can bring it back to his family. His family can be, you know, proud of him for solving it. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, it's not his cousin that he summons. Oh, no. It's a, um, a the school's resident bad boy <laughs> named <laughs> Julian. And Julian isn't, he doesn't want to just, you know, disappear and, mm-hmm. you know, go into the light or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, he's determined to, you know, finish his loose ends, mm-hmm. you know, beforehand. So our main character, which I guess I forgot to mention his name, is Yadriel. He decides that he's going to go ahead and help Julian. But the more and more he helps him, the less he wants him to actually go. Oh. So it's a little bit of a romance. Oh, nice. Um, but it's, it got a lot of talk, a lot of good talk. Mm-hmm. Um, again, it's Cemetery Boys by Aiden Thomas. Mm-hmm. So that one is exciting. But, yeah, so those are my recommendations if you like ghost stories and you like teen fiction. Mm-hmm. Um, and we also have, uh, we have little, like, flip books in the library where we, like, give recommendations. Yeah. And we have a whole flip book that's on our wall next to the books with um, different ghost stories that are, you know, available and fun to read. Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> I also uh, brought uh, several recommendations. Um, I'll, try to, I'll try to keep this slightly short. The first one that I wanted to recommend was Mexican Gothic by uh, Silvia Moreno-Garcia. Have you read that yet? I have. That is such a good book. Yes. Yes. I I love Gothic fiction. Like, I love the, just the, you know, like, the dark houses mm-hmm. and the, the 
is is it supernatural? Is it not? The the like, I love Rebecca and uh, Jane Eyre and like mm-hmm. all of those books. Um, and um, uh, Mexican Gothic kind of reminded me a little bit of Rebecca, but mm-hmm. I was actually getting more of a Bluebeard feeling okay. when I was I reading it. Yeah. Um, but uh, for those who haven't read it, uh, it's it's set in Mexico in roughly the 1950s and. Catalina has just married Virgil Doyle, who is part of one of the wealthiest families in the country and definitely within the region that they live in. Um, And it was supposed to be a wonderful coup for her family, knowing that she was going to be taken care of and have all these opportunities. Uh, But then um, Catalina's cousin, uh, Noemi, gets this... uh, panicked letter from Catalina saying that she believes her husband is poisoning her and that she is haunted by these, and I I wrote this down directly because I love this line, fleshless things that will not let me go. I just... I loved that. It it just brings out the entire terror of being haunted by something. Um, So, of course, Noemi is going to go investigate um, and possibly bring her cousin home because she at this point doesn't know like well is this really a haunting is um is her husband really trying to hurt her is she being gaslit Mm -hmm. you know is there is there a completely mundane and non-supernatural reason that i need to get her out or whatever uh she's going in she's going to go help her cousin and when she gets there it's like she comes face to face with so much insanity mm-hmm. is kind of like the for lack of a better term just i mean the family is so macabre and mm-hmm. and their patriarch is just this he's disgusting he's just he's he's a eugenicist mm-hmm. and that's just to me it's like it's it's disgusting and like just vile and and uh, the the author pulls no punches like <laughs> he is not a good guy you are not supposed to like him um, and then also at the same time, there's this thread of colonialism because the Doyle family, they're English aristocrats and they came mm-hmm. in and they basically took over this mining town and used it to build their wealth. Yep. They weren't trying to help anyone else but themselves and kind of ran down the town and, um, it's made things so much harder for the people that were already living there. And then on top of that, they're just seeing these, uh, Noemi and Catalina are both just seeing these horrible, violent visions. Mm-hmm. And so they're like, we got to get out of here. But as they're trying to escape, the the manor seems to suddenly be alive and won't let them out. Yeah. <laughs> and I just love it. I, I, I love it when... Um, houses or other types of buildings are a character of their own and this manor was kind of its own character Mm -hmm. and it just it just sucked me in and I was like yes yes the whole time (laughs) I was reading I'm like I'm terrified but I'm gonna keep going this is fantastic yeah and that author is really good at creating those visual you know that visual writing to where you can actually see Mm -hmm. these terrible things happening Mm -hmm. in your own mind's eye yeah yeah there's she makes you use your imagination. Mm-hmm. It's 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 wonderful and terrifying. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
So again, that's Mexican Gothic by Silvia Moreno-Garcia. We have it here at the library, and it's also available through Libby. Um, And then the second book that I wanted to talk about is less of a gory, violent, outright horrifying story, but it, it is unsettling. There are some horrific elements to it, but it's it's more poignant than anything else. It's uh, The Removed by Brandon Hobson. Hmm, I think I've heard that one. Um, so it's every year the the Ichota family gets together for a bonfire to celebrate uh, the Cherokee National Holiday and also to remember their teenage son, Ray Ray, who was killed by police. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on the 15th anniversary, so the 15th annual bonfire for his death, um, the uh, spirit world and reality suddenly start to blur, Ooh. and their grief seems to have summoned um, one of their ancestors named Tasala, and he was murdered, uh, you know, o- over a century centuries ago, um, to because he refused to be removed from his homeland. Mm. And so there's his narrative being weaved in with the family's grief and coming to terms with what happened mm-hmm. to um, Ray Ray. And then also along with that, Tasala is, as a spirit, seeing um, the Trail of Tears. Oh. So it's all three horrible injustices coming together in this book. And it's it's steeped in Cherokee lore and there's a ton of magical realism going on. So this is definitely um, a ghost story for people who don't want to be out and out terrified, Mm -hmm. but they still want a ghost story. And this uh, gives them a lot to chew on. So much to think about by the end. Yeah. Yeah. It makes you think about present times as well as history. Very much Mm -hmm. so. Yes. It sounds like a really good book. What was it called again? The Removed by Brandon Hobson. I need to put that one on my list because that sounds really good. We have it here at the library. Yep. Awesome. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, there's something new that we have at the library, right? Yeah. Yeah, there is. Uh, I was very proud of this. Uh, We just added ghost hunting kits to the library collection. Awesome. Yes. uh, They've been very popular so far. Um, They're both currently checked out, and there is a hold hold list. But even if it's not Halloween, that doesn't mean the ghosts go away. (laughs) Feel free to check it out anytime. Um, And in fact... um, Probably, I would say, uh, in a couple of months uh, would be the best time to try to check it out because things will have slowed down a little bit. So make sure that you keep our ghost hunting kits on the on the radar. But in, in each kit, you get an EMF reader, two um, walkie-talkies, um, a flashlight, and then a video camera to record anything that Very you may cool. have come across. Yeah. Is there any place that you would recommend using it at? So, me personally, I would recommend using it in your home first to kind of get a feel for the equipment. Mm -hmm. Then maybe a public place like Hummel Park. Mm -hmm. Uh, Make sure that you're not bothering people or anything Mm -hmm. like that when you're using it. And then I would start uh, after that, after you feel like you've got a feel for it, if you want to keep going... Any place that has a lot of history, um, and you can like you can go to our Indiana room, and they can teach you all about the history of the buildings around mm-hmm. here, and that can give you a place to start. Um, and then after that, once you've kind of determined which buildings you think you might want to investigate, 
get their permission. <laughs> yes, of course. Yes. yes. <laughs> um, if you feel like traveling, I do know that the um, Johnson County Historical Society and Museum in Franklin has a history of haunting. Mm-hmm. Um, have you been in that? I have not, um, but I knew from a previous coworker, I knew about it. Yeah, yeah. I, um, I, I actually went there on a very, very rough and amateur uh, ghost hunting expedition, and there were some very weird things that happened. Yeah. <laughs> I do believe that there, um, you have to prove that you're not going to just go in there and, and like completely trash the place or anything, but they are, as far as I know, or at least they were a few years ago, very open to granting permission for people to do ghost hunting expeditions there. Very so cool. I'm not speaking for them, but I am saying that is one place to start. Okay. Yeah. Well, I like that you say to start off you know, <laughs> in your own home. Yes. <laughs> Watch someone do that and their home be extremely haunted. I know. I know. <laughs> they won't want to go to any other place. No, they won't. <laughs> Well, I'm sorry. I think I actually might have interrupted you. Did you have another book to recommend? I, I had several. Oh. I was going to list <laughs> off like just a whole bunch of like quick and dirty favorites. Um, like some of the classics like The Haunting of Hill House by Shirley oh. Jackson. Mm-hmm. Um, that is probably my favorite haunted house book. Um, and it's it's very thin. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's a very short read, but it's very dense because one of the things that Shirley Jackson does really well is she makes every word in her book count. (laughs) And I can remember reading it, and I was, like, reading it in bed, and I would, like, have to, like, peek up over the book and look around a little bit just to make sure, like, yep, I'm in my own home and everything is fine. (laughs) It it, it plays on you psychologically, Mm -hmm. and there's nothing overtly gory. Um, And, in fact, almost all the terror is just suggested. Yeah. There is a scene where um, two of the main characters are just walking around and um, things start to get a little weird in the mind of um, the, the, the main, main character because um, she thinks that she's possibly losing her sanity. Oh, okay. So she's in the midst of thinking that she's losing her sanity and then the ne- and then all of a sudden, and this is the, the very last line of the chapter – the other person that she's walking with just shouts out, run. You never know what they had to run from. (laughs) Just that they needed to run. Yes. Now, is that what they based the Netflix show off of? Yes. Okay. Yes. Now, the Netflix show, it's inspired by. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of elements, and if you've read the book, then you um, see all the Easter eggs and all the references and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. Uh, But the two stories are very different, but they're both excellent. I'm a huge fan of Mike Flanagan and what he's been doing with the classic ghost stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause the very next one he did was the haunting of Bly Manor, which was uh, uh, inspired by Henry James, the turn of the screw, okay. which is also a very creepy uh, ghost story. And that one is truly unsettling. The more you think about it, I do recommend um, the turn of the screw, but I recommend even more, the haunting of Bly mm-hmm. Manor. We have we have both at the library, and um, the the haunting of Bly Manor is a wonderful blend of of creepy ghost story and genuinely tender love story, and it's it's a perfect blend of it. Um, and it's this um, 
it's set in the 80s. The The book is set in the Victorian era. The Haunting of Hill House? Or? Uh, sorry, The Haunting of Bly Manor. Of, oh, okay. Yeah. Bly Manor, okay. Yeah, The Haunting of Bly Manor. Sorry, I, th- I, th- I thought I had made the transition, but apparently it was only in my head. <laughs> um, the Haunting of Bly Manor is set in the 80s, um, but this uh, American school teacher has relocated to London, and she has gotten a job as a... Um, governess Mm -hmm. for two children who have shown just some really really troubling behavior and like the boy has been kicked out of school and the girl has like she she's very sickly so that's the reason why they have to live at home Mm -hmm. and be taught at home and uh she keeps seeing all of these people that are either allegedly dead or have been missing for years Um, and like one of the people that she keeps seeing, they don't know if he's dead or not. He's just has disappeared and they know he's very dangerous. So that everyone in the house is on high alert and they're trying to keep the children unaware of what's happening. Um, and at the same time, there's this thing that keeps walking through the house at night and mm-hmm. the children seem to be very aware mm-hmm. of this thing that's going through the house and their behavior gets very um, odd. Mm-hmm. And, um, you then start, like, as you go through, you find out what side are the children actually on or whose side or what side, depending upon how you want to look at it. And it is very much known that if you encounter whatever walks through the house at night, you are not coming back alive. Oh. Yeah. Um, so yeah, very much the, that end is the ghost story, but then also the governess, um, falls in love with the gardener Mm -hmm. working there and um their love story gets equal weight okay so it's but it but it weaves in all the danger from the ghost into their love story so it's it's genuinely a a lovely romance mixed with genuine terror (laughs) (laughs) and then i found out that mike flanagan is also now adapting uh the fall of the house of usher Oh, that'll be cool. I cannot wait for that to come out. I don't know when it's coming, but I'm very excited for that. Do you think it's going to be another, like, The Haunting of? It could be, because that's kind of the brand now. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure what he'll do, or he may decide to make it separate from those Mm -hmm. and just turn it into a different miniseries. I'm I'm not sure what he's going to do. It'd be kind of cool for him to keep the same title, just so you can all collect them together. Yeah. But, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what he does with that. Mm -hmm. That sounds cool. Um, another one, uh, this one is mostly available via Libby because it's pretty old and it hasn't gotten the same classic status as The Haunting of Hill House, but um, Hell House by Richard Matheson. Okay. It's, um, the main story is about these, uh, this team of four, they're paranormal investigators. They're going to go in and they're going to um, try to tackle what has been labeled as Hell House, which is supposed to be the most haunted house in the area and it's incredibly dangerous like other paranormal teams have come in and they've all died Mm. um one of the people on this team was the only survivor from his previous team oh gosh um and then on top of that you then learn the history of the house and the person who's supposed to haunt it and just what a malevolent person he was in real life not just as a ghost, but mm-hmm. just like the stuff that happens in this book are, it was written in the 60s, and I would have guessed, outside of some of the technology, I would have guessed it was written today. 
Oh, wow. There's just some very, like, truly classic writing that, that transitions time era. It's mm-hmm. it's amazing. It was made into a movie uh, starring Roddy McDowell, which also, it, it was, it was kind of low budget and not intended to do very well, but it was brilliantly done with very little and... Well, some, some of the best scary movies are done with low budget. Yeah, and it was, um, the, the book itself does a really good job of sometimes only giving you a little bit and letting your imagination run wild, and then sometimes shoving your face right into the horror and not letting you go. Mm. So it's definitely, a, you, you feel all aspects of horror from this book. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, if you're looking for less horror and more mystery, but you still want creepy ghost story, uh, The Sundown Motel by Simone St. James. Okay. I love everything by her. She does a great job of doing like the creeping terror without it being overt. Um, and she, she works really well with ghosts, um, and making the ghost stories themselves, like the ghosts and the stories incredibly full and rich. Mm -hmm. So you're scared, but you're interested. Okay. Uh, but, uh, the Sundown Motel is about a woman whose aunt went missing back in the 80s, and she believes that her aunt is still alive. Everyone else has decided that her aunt was probably just murdered because she worked at the Sundown Motel, mm-hmm. and in the 80s, it was known as being very run down, very sketchy, so it was just assumed like oh, someone probably just abducted her and murdered her, and they just kind of shoved it to the side. Mm-hmm. Well, she's convinced that her aunt is still around. And she's going to go to the Sundown Motel and she's going to start solving the mystery. Um, and so she gets a job there and I, and um, she she starts meeting people who knew her aunt and she starts like working on the mystery and she's piecing that together. Um, but then also she learns very quickly, you do not want to be stuck in the room with the candy machine if you start smelling cigarette smoke. Oh. Yeah. So something, something's there. Something's there. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Huh. That sounds like a really cool, cool premise about the book. It's it's really cool. Yeah. yeah. I think I've seen her as an author. I think I might have, I think I might have one of her books, but it's not that one. I think it's the uh, Book of Cold Cases. Yes. I haven't gotten to it. Yet. That one's also really good. That one's less supernatural, and if you're a true crime fan, mm-hmm. you definitely want to read the Book of Cold Cases. <laughs> it's it's fantastic. Yeah, it's on my shelf. I just, you know, a lot <laughs> oh, of it has yeah. a TBR list that's <laughs> oh, yeah, pages I get and it. pages long. <laughs> um, if you have kids um, or if you just enjoy reading children's chapter books in general, there is absolutely nothing wrong with that. Um, I know I do because I've read all three of these books and loved them, and I read them as adults. Uh, there's The Graveyard Book by Neil Gaiman. Mm-hmm. Um, story about a little boy who gets out of his crib and toddles to the graveyard next door and the ghosts decide they're going to raise him. Mm -hmm. It's a wonderful ghost story, um, about family and finding your place in the world, but there are some horror elements to it as well. Um, uh, you might be wondering about, uh, the, how did this little boy get out of his house? Didn't he have a family? And he did. Um, but it does not turn out well for his family, and uh, there's there's a man out there who is part of a very shadowy organization who um, slaughtered his family at the beginning of the book, and his actual goal is to get the little boy. Mm. So the book does end with a showdown of kind of good and evil, 
but it's so kind of classic Neil Gaiman. <laughs> yes, and it's masterfully done. Um, the next book is Wait Till Helen Comes by Mary Downing Hahn. Kind of the classic children's terrifying book. There's something about um, Mary Downing Hahn that just her name sends chills down my spine. Because <laughs> I, I did read some of her stuff when I was younger, but I didn't read Wait Till Helen Comes until I was an adult. And I'm kind of glad because I'm not sure I could have handled it as a child. <laughs> uh, but uh, the, the best description I ever heard of it is what happens when an insufferable brat befriends a malevolent ghost? Oh. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. <laughs> fantastic <laughs> and then there's uh nightmares by jason siegel okay it's it's somewhat of a ghost story but it, it also tends to be more like um potential haunted house and obviously involving nightmares mm -hmm. and nightmares possibly bleeding into real life and uh this particular little boy charlie he's always been fascinated by this uh giant purple mansion in his in his town um, but he's also been, it's also been kind of like giving him nightmares mm. and then it starts to bleed over into reality. And then he's starting to wonder if maybe the house is trying to send him a message and yeah, it's, it's, um, it's, I would, I would call it delightful. Mm -hmm. There, there is, there is some horror element to it, but it's, it's very mild in my opinion. So and perfect for a younger. I think so. Younger yeah. Age. Yeah, absolutely. And it's just, I don't know the, 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 I don't know if Jason Siegel was just like over the moon to be writing this book, but just, <laughs> you just feel this, this delight coming from, mm -hmm. from the book the whole time, just you know, like you're just like you're almost sitting there smiling while you're reading it. I don't know. There's a there's an energy about the book that just makes you makes you kind of happy while you're reading it, but you do have to enjoy a little bit of the creep to and yeah you know, for that for the full full yes you know, <laughs> understanding of it. Yeah, very cool. Mm -hmm. Those sound like some really good recommendations. Yeah. I told you I could talk all day about this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, luckily, I don't think our listeners will have to listen to a whole day, but <laughs> we got some great, yes. great stories and great recommendations to at least start off with. Yes. <laughs> very cool. Mm -hmm. but yeah, we. I think that's the best place to cut cut me off, <laughs> and uh, we can move into what we're geeking out about. So, I'll go. I'll start. Because okay. what I'm geeking out about right now is ghosts. <laughs> All right, we're going to move on. <laughs> what are you geeking out about? Oh, right now, so I do a lot of crocheting, and I do um, a lot of, like, craft shows. Mm -hmm. So right now I'm just geeking out over a whole bunch of new, like, patterns that I've been finding. Mm -hmm. um, I like to do, like, the Migurumis, so they're, like, the little plush dolls and, mm -hmm. you know, animals and all that. And so right now I've been working on a whole bunch of little sea turtles. <laughs> Oh, so unfortunately, my wrist isn't very happy with me because of it. Mm. Um, but I, I like it because I can make, you know, the heads and the fins all the same colors. But then I'm doing like bright blues and bright pinks and purples for Aww. the shells. So, you know, give a whole bunch of different varieties. But yeah, I'm making those and I'm making a whole bunch of jellyfish. Oh, cool. Um, so everyone always seems to think they're octop octopi when they're at my shows. They're like, oh, look at the octopus. I'm like, it's a jellyfish. <laughs> <laughs> but that's okay. Mm -hmm. they, they want to buy it. it. It's an octopus. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that, that's my main focus right now. I don't really have time to be geeking out over anything else, unfortunately. <laughs> Wish I did, because I'd love to be, you know, getting ready to play the new Pokemon games. But, 
That's like maybe maybe January. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, sometimes we get a passion and we just can't stop. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep, yep, that so, is definitely true. So you say you sell those? I do. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, do you have like a an Etsy shop or do you just go to craft fairs? Mostly just the craft fairs. Um, I tried doing Etsy to begin with, but for me, it's really hard to do like commission based projects. Mm, gotcha. Um, you know, even if I know, hey, if I make this for this person, they're going to pay me at the end of it. I'm still having to make something specific. Whereas mm-hmm. for my shows, I can basically just make whatever I want to make, whatever, you know, my mind is like, hey, we need to you know, make jellyfish or mm-hmm. we want to make bumblebees. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I mostly just make whatever I want and then sell it at the shows. <laughs> so I will be at the uh, Plainfields uh, Gingerbread Christmas. I'm the Kappa, Kappa, I'm, I apologize, Try Kappa. Try Kappa Gingerbread oh. Christmas. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> so I'll be when at is that? that? Uh, it's the first Saturday in December. Okay. Excellent. So, but yeah, so you can find me and my amigo me stuff there, <laughs> you know, geeking out as I'm crocheting while selling. <laughs> nice. And I hope your wrist holds up. It should. Usually it just takes a couple days uh, of, uh, you know, resting it before it is all good to go again. <laughs> okay, cool. All right. Well, everyone, thank you so much for joining us and for listening. And we are They Might Be Librarians at the Plainfield Guilford Township Public Library. Thanks for joining us. <laughs>